And then a message title is The Hope You Give. It is 100% bouncing off of the book title, right? And so you can see my little, I made a fake, <laughs> fake book cover in Canva. And I was like really impressed because this is a picture of our lovely Rebecca standing against a white wall in the bookstore. <laughs> Holding a blank poster and the way to put words on it. Um, so she was a trooper, she didn't even know what this was for, but I was like, just stand there and hold it like that? Cool, and I took a picture and then she was on the internet. Yay. Um, but you guys, so to start, I love books. If you know me, you know I love books. I love to read. I love to re read good books, books about things I find interesting. I love to read boring books because I want to learn something new. I love to read horrible books that I don't like. And even when I don't like them, I tend to finish them because often they teach me a different way of looking at things. I love to read. Okay, and um, so if I'm not like out and about hanging with friends or running, I also like to run. Usually on the weekend, like I'm curled up with our middle child because she also likes to read. And we are reading books. That's like what we do for fun. Um, so I know the message title is a little extra, but I thought it would help us jump into the talk tonight. Um, and I read, this is one of the books I read over the summer. I read it because it was recommended by a friend. Um, and I found it absolutely captivating, right? And it's not the type of book that I would have I would have necessarily picked up by myself, this is why. Because it has a million cuss words in it. God and cuss. So I opened it and I was like, oh, oh, oh. But then it was so interesting, I just kept reading because you know what, I was a lit major in undergrad and I've read my share of books with things I could care less about. Um, and I was like, if it's just language, I can totally move on because the book's like saying something. And that's really something I care about in, in books and music and any kind of art is I want it to be saying something. So I continued reading it, and um, I think the reason I wanted to talk about this is because this book like touches on a topic that's not being addressed among Christians very often today. And um, when it is, people are just like, oh, we don't need to talk. And, and they're just kind of like, wouldn't it be nice if we just don't talk about the hard things? Um, and so I found myself in a position over the summer that I, was, I had to talk about the hard things. I mean, I guess I didn't have to, to be honest. I could have said nothing, but it was say nothing or, or address the hard things. And so I chose to address the hard things. You guys know me, not only do I love books, I'm not well-spoken. So I probably did not do the greatest job, but at least my passion and heart came through um, these conversations with, with these other people, but, but it was very interesting. Um, so I wanna start us with a quote by Dr. Martin Luther King Jr which we saw recently, we got to visit the National Civil Rights Museum. Our kids did a race, the Nike race for the Heritage Classic. And so we were down there, right outside the front, and we went inside and toured it because our kids had never been there. Um, and this was like a quote that we saw while we were in there that really impacted me. And I've just like thought of it ever since. And he said, in the end, we will remember not the words of our enemies, but the silence of our friends. And like Matt pointed it out at first. And so I was like, oh, that's, that's really interesting. And then like we went to the next room and I'm still like, that like it got me on, on a personal level and then on a larger level. And I, like, so we're walking through the whole museum and I'm still like on this one quote that was in the first room and it was like resonating in my head. Um, 
but I think, like, really, it dug up something in me that's distressed um, within, like, the body of Christ and its silence. Just how often do people say nothing? Does something happen? Or, or we claim to love Christ, um, but then when something happens to those made in his image, like, we don't say anything, right? And so there's kind of this, like, dissonance in me where it's like, can I love Jesus and say nothing, right? Um, and, and I think it hit me on a personal level because um, I've been hurt by the silence of others that should have stood up for me. I'll talk about that later. I can, I can share some of my story later. But it's like, on a personal level, I'm like, yeah, sometimes you have a friend. And I don't know if you guys have ever had a friend. And you're like, you could have had my back, <laughs> right? And they don't. And so I think on a personal level, I got it. You know, but then on a greater level, I was like, man, if like the body of Christ could get it, that would that would be really cool. Um, and so I really think that like God calls Christians to stand up for those that don't stand up for themselves. And so also things I read over the summer, right? Chi Alpha, all those that were around in the summer, I wanted to. We went through the Book of Proverbs in the month of July, August. Gee, we're in September now. Whatever. Um, like Time is like flowing by for me. Okay. In the month of August, we went through the book of Proverbs. We read a chapter a day. And so the very last chapter, Proverbs 31, verses 8 and 9 say this. It says, Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Ensure justice for those being crushed. Yes, speak up for the poor and helpless and see that they get justice. So you guys, I'm not going to spoil the book or movie, okay, of the hate you give. Um, but I thought it was really interesting and like the central message of, of the book is like Tupac's thug life, right? And so it's like the hate you give little infants, everybody. Um, I'm not going to say it, right? But, but the idea is that like if you, if you grow up in a society and you're, you're getting hate, you're getting treated badly, like eventually that's going to turn around and it ruins society for everyone, right? And I thought, you know, that's, that's pretty pretty wise, right? That's pretty wise. And I think I was just really excited that there was a book that was like talking about this. And so I really loved it. Granted, all the cuss words. Um, But I thought it was saying something valuable that's missing from a huge part of Christian culture. Um, And I I think my favorite part about it, I promise I'm not going to spoil it, but it's a book about deciding when to speak. It's a book about deciding when to speak. And my favorite quote um, in the book from A.G. Davis. Um, what's the point of having a voice if you're going to be silent in the moments you shouldn't be? And I thought that's a good question. And it's funny because I like, read this book that I went to the Civil Rights Museum and, and like all of these quotes about silence. We read Proverbs and like these things kept stucking, sticking out to me. So why this book at Chi Alpha, right? What on earth does it have to do with the Bible? And what does it have to do with us? So it was recommended to me, I was sitting across the table with a friend, she's not a Christian, right? And she was just asking me like, how, how's life going? What have you been up to? What have you been reading? Because she likes books too, right? Bond of people over books if you like books. And so I was telling her about a book I had just finished, which is John Perkins' One Blood. And it's like, if you pick one book and you want to read it on this topic, I seriously recommend this. It's an amazing Christian perspective. On, on the issues of racism in America, particularly. Um, so really, really good. It's basically 
he's written like prolific amounts on on the topic, but this is like his it's like his dying manifesto. He's not dying, but he's older. Okay, <laughs> so it's like his last his last thing that he wants to say. So it's basically like he summed up all of his work and all of his main points in one book. And so I'm just like gushing about this book. This poor girl's not even a Christian, right? Um, but she was like, she listened for a really long time, and then she's like, I, I might actually read that. And she's like, okay, I'm going to recommend one for you. So I got the hate you give. Um, and I think it was funny, because as much as I was like, there's lots of cuss words in here, she was probably like, there's lots of Jesus in here. <laughs> so, you know, fair fair. Um, but, but it was really interesting, because it was through that conversation um, that it was really neat. We connected, because she's like, man, this Christian book has something worth saying. And I'm like, man, this like secular book has something worth saying. And they're both kind of on the central theme. So that's why I started with that. Because the movie's coming out, and you know, we all like recognized it the second we saw Becca. We're like, oh, this is, yeah, kind of a take on that. Um, so if you haven't read One Blood, which a lot of curious faces were like, mm, right? And you probably haven't. It's definitely worth your time. Um, but why have this talk at Kyle Memphis, right? So why I talk about this here, and it's this, because as I was kind of contemplating all of these issues through the course of the summer and all of these things, I would kind of be like, God, where's the hope? Because sometimes like when I look at the church, you guys, it doesn't feel like there is, right? There's a quote also attributed to Martin Luther King. I can't find it anywhere, okay, that he's the one that said it. But it's a quote that says, Sunday morning, which what a lot of Christians do on Sunday morning, go to church, right? It says Sunday morning is the most segregated time of the week for Christians. And like, that shouldn't be, right? But then like, so you hear this quote, you think about this quote, and then like, I go to my church, and then we travel around, we visit all these other churches, and I'm like, why is it still true? You know, and, and there definitely are churches that are like breaking that mold. But it's, it's still really an issue. And so as I was praying, I was like, God, where, like, where is the hope in this? Where's the solution in this? And I really think it's like you guys. I absolutely believe it's you guys. I think not only is it like Kyle from Memphis, but I think God's doing something in the movement of Kyle as a whole on a national level. And I think your generation is going to be the one that actually does something. Because, okay, I'm in my 30s. I don't like to say it. <laughs> right? But technically, I'm a millennial still, right? Um, so I'm, I'm like the younger end, I'm the old millennial. Y'all are the youngers, right? But the generations like older than Matt and I, it, there's really just this feel from them that it's like someone should fix that. I pray that God will raise up somebody that will. And like, that was really difficult to grow up under because I'm a little bit of like a, a fighter. Like I don't fight, but like, I like the cause, and I don't fight anymore. I got saved, and Jesus changed my life. Okay. <laughs> I did. I don't now. Um, but, like, if there's a cause, if, if there's something wrong, it's like my tendency is not to be like, someone should fix that. My tendency is to be like, I'm going to fix that, <laughs> you know, and, like, get out of my way or come with me, you know. And, and that's my heart. But then as I kind of looked at generations older than me, I would talk to them about it, and they're like, that's horrible. I pray that God will raise up somebody that fixes it. And you're like, if you know it's horrible, fix it, right? Um, and this is something that like my whole life I would, I would kind of like watch. 
And there's like a really cool shift. Like in y'all's generation, like the the younger like millennials or whatever. A lot of people hate on millennials. I love millennials. I think y'all are like the hope in the future. Um, because yours is a generation that stands up and is like, I'm gonna I'm gonna change things. I'm gonna make things different. And I think that's so that can be good, that can be really bad. Like, because you can choose your own truth and you can head off into the woods and be completely deceived and believe some crazy things and live a very crazy life. Um, but if you take that, that I'm just going to like do something and change things and you put it with a relationship with Christ, like it could very seriously change the world for good. And it could, could speak to these issues that are so broken in our society. And so I think the hope is you, right? And so you guys are the hope, and you guys share the hope. Um, so that's where we're, we're going with this. Um, so thoughts from, I'm going to share a few thoughts from the book by John Perkins, okay? And then we'll kind of like talk about where to go from there. But here are some thoughts from him. He asked, what should the church look like? And when I say church, don't think like my church on Sunday morning. I just mean like the body of Christ in general, Christian people when they gather together anywhere. Cool. Just so we understand what we mean by church. Um, But he starts with Revelation 7, verses 9 and 10. And it says this. So this is in the Bible. It says, I looked and behold a great multitude, which no one could count from every nation and all tribes and people and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, palm branches were in their hands, and they cry out with a loud voice saying, Salvation to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb. So this is like a vision in life. Who is represented in this? Every nation, tribe, and tongue, right? And so like the vision at the end of time, when God's people stand before the throne, it includes everybody. Yeah. Right? There's not like a people that look like me section, right? And there's not like a people that look different over here section. And people Like it's just the people of God. Right, and that's how it is intended to be. Um, so the vision of unity, this is what Perkins says, is born on the wings of the good news of the gospel. It's good news for all people, and it's good news just as Luke proclaims in Luke 2.10. It says, do not be afraid, for behold, so this is when the angel is, is um, speaking about Jesus. Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all people. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a savior, was Christ the Lord. This is a supernatural announcement, and it's one of the most compelling signs that God intends for his gospel to reach all nations and all cultures. This, right here. Jesus is born, and the angel pronounces this, right? And um, if you look at those last four words, it says four, three words. I can't count. If you look at the last three words, it says for all people. So this wasn't going to be an exclusive club that continued then as now. Very common injustice of the haves and have-nots. This wasn't a message for some and not for all. This was good news for everyone, for every man, woman, and child of every nation and every culture. There was no room for racism or bigotry. God's plan was too tight. And then he also says it's a justice statement. Behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all people. For today in the city of David, there's been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. So it's like the Lord is setting up 
And, and very, very truly, this was necessary because in the Bible, like, God had had the Jewish people and he moved through the Jewish people when Jesus was born. And the angel says, this isn't the Messiah for, like, the Jewish people. They're like, this is the Messiah for all people. This Jesus came to wash away the sins of all humanity. And, and that's made very clear. And so that is what the church should be. The church should be a people that embrace this truth. That the gospel, so what Jesus has done, his death, burial, resurrection, and what that gives us in salvation is for all people. Um, but America is broken. Now, it started well, in theory, if you read the Declaration of Independence, it says, it's like one of the best statements about reconciliation in human history, okay? But it says, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal. You can't be any more truthful than that. It's one of the greatest statements in human history because we are all created in the image of God. Yeah. And I think, um, like, if you talk to me much, you talk to Matt much, that's something that we like to say is, like, we are to love everyone that is made in the image of God. And really, for me, that's, like, a central reason to share the gospel. Because a lot of times, I, like, I ask friends, you know, as a Christian, you're supposed to share the gospel. The Bible says to share the gospel. And so I'll be like, why do you share the gospel? No, like, because the Bible says to you. And for me, it's like, yes, but like, what do you say to the person who's literally like of another belief or another faith? And they say, why do you want to share the gospel? It's like, not really for me, just because the Bible says you should share it, but because like, if I'm going to live for Christ and reflect Christ and love him and become like him, who did Jesus love? Right? Who did he come for? Those three words, for all people, Right? And so Jesus came for all people because he loved all people. And that means that if I'm like him, I'm going to love all people, right? And so if I love you, why would I not tell you the best news, the thing that has changed and impacted my life more than anything, right? So on a foundational level, even, it's like we have to get that, like, it's for all people because all people are made in the image of God, right? And if you love God, you're going to love his image, right? You can't love God and hate his image. You can't love God and, and only like parts of his image that you prefer. If you love God, you're going to love his image. And every person reflects his image, right? One person doesn't reflect image more than another. Um, so, so we see that America was kind of founded on this. And it was different from the start because it was a nation that reflected the divine values of God's kingdom. That one nation from all nations under heaven and under God would be like, embracing this truth, but it got sidetracked, right? And personal interests took over the equality of other human beings. And here's the thing, it's like, I truly believe this is why it's still broken. Because personal interests took over equality of all people. Um, and so, as God's people, we have hope, and we're supposed to share it with the world, but we got sidetracked. So look at what Luke says again. He says, Behold, I bring you good news. That was a message for the world, but it's a message that's entrusted to God's people. The church has to go do it. So we have to go do it, right? The message was given to us, but if we don't do it, like, how are they going to hear? Right? Like it says in Romans, it's like, how are they going to hear it with no one to tell them? Right? They're not. We're supposed to tell them. That's our job. That's our part of the job. And we have to be the ones to share it. Perkins said, for the message of the gospel to truly have power, the people of God must deliver the news as one united body. This good news was to be delivered to the world by a multicultural, united body of believers, the church. 
the church has been given a divine mandate for reconciliation. And so, like, God's intention is that, like, Christians, like, even if the rest of the world doesn't reflect this, right, Christians would come together as one body and we'd share the truth. And I think that there's something powerful in that because that's different, right? Especially in our country, that's different. Like, when you see, like, people of all different backgrounds and ethnicities and stuff, like, hanging out and worshiping together, like, even on this campus, people are like, that's, that's different. Um, and they're like, what's that about? And you're like, well, I, I love them. They're my brother or sister in Christ. And they're like, that's different. And, and it's like just seeing that difference in the reality of Christ's love in that gives opportunities to share the gospel because um, that's a picture of what it should be. And Jesus even prayed um, a prayer in John 17 with this vision in mind. He said this in John 17, 21 through 23 that they may all be one, even as you, Father, and are in me, and I in you, that they may be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. The glory which you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, just as we are one. I in them, you and me, that they may be perfected in unity, so the world may know that you sent me and loved them, even as you have loved me. And then Perkins said this, for too long, many churches have argued that unity in the body of Christ across ethnic and class lines is a separate issue from the gospel. There has been suggestion that we can be reconciled to God without being reconciled to our brothers and sisters in Christ. Scripture doesn't bear this out. And I think that's, that's really, really important. Is like, anytime you have somebody that says like, well, you can have a relationship with Christ, but don't worry about this. You're like, no, no, you've missed it. Right. You've missed it. And I think... That was what happened in this conversation at the beginning of the summer, is, is there was a conversation going like this, and I was like, and I couldn't articulate it well, right? Then I found this book, and man, he can articulate it super well, so I was like, cool, I'm gonna like learn from this and glean from this the next time that I can speak, um, speak better. But you guys, it's gonna take intentionality. And if, if you're interested in the book, I'm not gonna like read all the quotes of it, I printed them, but it, like I don't want it to go like forever and ever, um, right? Like there's only so much you want to hear one person talk at seven o'clock at night. Um, but like he, Perkins, like continues from here to to explain that like there's really only one race, the human race, and and he goes into like this in-depth discussion about how race, like especially the idea we have in America, where it's like based on like skin color and stuff like that. Um, like that's not biblical at all. That's not what God intended. And so like to hold on to that is, it's sinful. And it's really interesting because he like shares stories from both sides and, um, and he talks about it, but basically he's saying like, let it go, right? Genesis one says, God made man in his image, right? And say, he made one certain man in his image and the others didn't reflect, no, God made man in his image. Um, so this is what he said. He said it's going to take intentionally multi-ethnic and multicultural churches to bust through the chaos and confusion of the present moment and redirect our gaze to the revolutionary gospel of reconciliation. I'm asking God to help us be captured by this awesome vision, one, one church that crosses all ethnic, cultural, and class lines. And I pray that he opens our eyes to see that we are truly one blood, for there is only one race, the human race. Um, so... So like he, he explains this, but, but if we look at our call as believers, right? And so we're literally getting into 
Chi Alpha's mission statement was founded on, the, the national movement of Chi Alpha. Um, but in 2 Corinthians 5, right? Should be up there. Maybe I didn't put it up there. Yes, it says, 520, it says, we're Christ ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ and we plead, come back to God. That's our job, right? Is to be Christ ambassadors. And so are we Christ ambassadors? Like, I'm me, I'm, I'm Jackie. Am I a Christ ambassador to just people that look like me? No. No, I'm Christ ambassador to everyone that reflects the image of God. I'm supposed to love everybody, right? And um, the cool thing about this verse being included in like everything he said is, like I said, that's where the Kyle's mission statement comes from. Because in, in the Greek, if you take the Chi that starts Christos and the Alpha that starts Apollosi in Christ ambassadors, it's Chi Alpha. That's where it came from. Um, and, and the mission statement is literally this. I put it up there. It's, for all of Chi Alpha, reconciling students to, to Christ, transforming the university, the marketplace, and the world. And my favorite thing about Chi Alpha is reconciling students, right? Any students, all the students that are made in the image of God. Um, so you guys just, in this, in this time, like I don't know where you're at on social media, if you're on Instagram, or Snapchat, Twitter, whatever, um, but so often it's like we see other Christians and they're defending political views before they're defending the image of God, right? And when we see that, we need to stop because we've gotten off track. Um, and we need, when we start to do that, like we start to defend a certain political view or a certain thing because it's going to make life better for me and it takes precedence over defending the image of God, we need to ask who's on, on the throne in our lives, right? Who's on the throne? Am I on the throne or is God on the throne? Because if God's on the throne, we're going to love God. And you can't love God without loving his image, right? Um, so the hope you give, you guys, it's you. Like you guys are the hope. It's you loving Jesus and loving those that are made in his image and using your voice in the moments that you know you really, really need to. It's loving and not staying silent. Like, now sometimes when we're mad and we want to love well, we, right? Because we don't want to sin, right? But if you see injustice happening to another person and you want to love well, sometimes you need to say, hey, don't do that, right? And then trust that Jesus will help you have more words um, because that's usually how far I get. So I'm like, hey, that's bad. <laughs> and people are like, why? I'm like, because you're loving bad and like stop, you know, and, and so hopefully you word better than me. Words can be so hard, um, but it's you. It's you loving God and loving his people and speaking up when you need to. Um, and so in the beginning, we talked about, can we love Jesus and not, and not love those made in his image? I don't think so. Like, I don't think we can fully love Jesus. I think if you love Jesus and you don't love the people that um, are made in his image, who reflect who he is, that there's a disconnect and something's gone wrong in your heart or you've not, like, really fully processed what that means. Um, and so if you love Jesus and you're, you're troubling, having trouble loving those made in his image, we really have to ask that question of, like, who's on the throne? 
in my life, right? Is it me? Because I want to be comfortable? Because sometimes, you guys, it's a lot comfier to like not step out, you know, and not cross like different cultural barriers because, wow, they might think I'm that weird white lady. <laughs> Everyone thinks I'm that weird white lady. <laughs> like, Every, every nation tries to come. <laughs> I'm, I'm not weird. Um, so, so we're good. Um, but, but like, I think that's one of those things I had to learn is like, I'm just me and I'm weird and like, I make everyone uncomfortable. So it's probably going to be uncomfortable. I start a conversation with any student. Cool. Um, any human in the grocery store. Just, yeah, I can be awkward. Um, but like, if, if you're struggling with that, you, you ask who's on the throne? You know, is it Jesus? Or is it me? And if you find that you'd rather be comfortable, it's probably you. It's probably not you. Um, so um, recently, because of these conversations, a lot of people have asked me why I say so much about social justice. I've had like friends um, at church, friends online, friends in life, and they're like, wouldn't it just be easier to not say these things, not tweet these things, not keep bringing these things up? Um, and like, yeah, yeah, it would be easier. Um, but it's really funny because like usually when somebody asks me that, I, I have to reply that like they probably mean, right? Because the way, the way that God really opened my eyes to how much this can hurt, particularly racism, right? Can hurt is, is like it happened to me. Right? And um, so, you guys, I am a lady in the ministry who does music. That is not a favorable, favorable position in general. Okay? Like, in some circles, if you're a lady in ministry, men don't like that. Right? And if you stand up and lead worship, man, some men really don't like that. And, and it can get ugly. And, and there have been so many times, like probably at least on a weekly basis. That's something that I deal with, just like the sexism side of things. So it's really funny if there's somebody that's like treating me wrong because I'm a woman, and they're like, why do you talk so much about social justice? And I'm like, you. Um, you can't say it quite that way, but you're like, well, I've been treated poorly. It, it gave me compassion for others that are treated poorly. Um, and you're trying not to be like, by you. Because um, that's not loving well, right? Because it's me. Now, like, if you treat my friends, like, if you, if you treat a different girl poorly, then I, I think I have a lot of an easier time speaking up. But when it's me, it's like it gets all personal, so I don't, I don't know how to say it. Um, so, like, those things, like, they hurt. Because it's something that it's like, can I change that? No. No, I can't change that I, I'm a girl, and, like, if I don't follow God in the calling that I feel like, he's called me to walk in in my life, then I'm disobedient. So I, I'm like, I can't really do anything about this. So it's uncomfortable to be attacked about that, right? Um, and so it hurts. It hurts to be treated differently because um, like you, over something you can't change, right? And you're like, I'm born who I am. And like, I don't want to be a dude. I like being a lady. I like being a mom. I like being that's wife. Like, I don't want to change any of that. So like, it, I have like these moments where I'm like, I don't want to change anything. I just want to do what God's called me to do and not be hated on. Um, and so I think like that many years ago kind of started opening my eyes to, to different situations and just different injustices because it might not be the same one that, that I've faced or whatever. But then a few years ago, um, 
So I'm going to share about this. And, and it's like, if you laugh, it's fine. But, but it was like, at the time, it really hurt. Um, is, so I do, I do music, I write songs, I lead worship, and I travel around doing that. Um, and at some point, somebody had called me, because I also like, manage some conferences and bands and stuff. Somebody had called me and asked me for the number of a different band, because they were looking for a band to, to lead worship or something. And like, they're absolutely talented. Their worship leader's phenomenal. I love him so much. Like, great. So I gave him the number. And after the conversation, I said, you know, if they don't work out, I would love if you consider me and my band. Right? Which is like, not too pushy. I like, this is after like five whole minutes of like saying how great he is and they should hire him. Cool. Um, but I'm like, if that doesn't work out, I would like be totally honored if you guys would consider us. And the guy on the other end of the phone, who was a friend, said, well, we're looking for diversity and no offense, but you're a white girl. And like, in that moment, I mean, I was in the car with Matt and the kids and like, um, I mean, I was like, I'm sorry, what? Dude, he repeated it. Because, you know, it was not the price. Um, I'm like, why would you say it again? Um, but, uh, but, he, but he like said this and I'm like, oh. And, and it really hurt. And, um, and I think it was like one of those things that like I was really upset. I got off the phone, y'all, I was hot. And then my kids are in the car, so I can't be like that hot. <laughs> I don't want to teach them to be angry and like fly off the handle. So I'm trying to like hold it in. Um, and I, like really, it was like one of those things. Like like I went, I struggle with it. Like I have some friends that like struggle with me through it, and I was like, I need prayer. Like y'all, it hurt. It hurt on this level where I'm like, I can't, I can't change you that. Like, I'm a girl, and my skin is this color, and I just came out of my mom this way, and I can't change it. And um, as I started to pray about it, this is, like, so different, because a lot of times like, when we struggle with hurt, God takes it away, right? Like, he heals it. And it's, like, in this one situation, as I started to pray about it, God didn't take the hurt away. And, and the Holy Spirit just spoke to me ever so gently, and he's like, how many of your friends deal with this daily? And, like, you've dealt with it once. And, and I think it just, like, it opened my eyes. And, like, you guys, after that, I was like, this, this, we got to fix this. Um, and so it was just kind of like one of those shifts and like, y'all have not shared that story ever. But, but I think it was one of those things that, like, I needed because I, I would say, like, I understand this is bad, but then experiencing it on a personal level and realizing, man, I have friends that's, like, possibly every day, like, deal with this. That sucks. You're not supposed to say that in so many. That sucks. <laughs> like, and, and so it started to do a work in my heart, but I was kind of thankful that the Lord didn't just like take the pain away. Right? The, I mean, it's still, it's still there. The story is harder to share than my testimony, y'all. Because um, it, it just, it's sad, but it's like, I kind of want to remember. Like, I, I kind of want to remember so I don't ever stop fighting for things to change. But I, I think as I, Prayed, and as I've like struggled about this and I've struggled in these conversations, the hope that keeps coming back up is, is you guys. It's, it's you guys in our Chi Alpha. It's Chi Alpha as like a greater movement and it's like your generation. I really think that you guys are gonna be the ones that like not just the issue of racism, but there's so many issues that it's like if you get a hold of Jesus and you really let him transform your heart and teach you First, to love him, which comes by like realizing you're loved by him, right? 
can't love if you don't receive love. So you receive that love, but then like turning and like sharing that love with others. Like y'all, that's going to transform things. That's going to change things. And that gives me so much hope. Um, and through that all, you guys, like sometimes those are hard conversations. Because I realize it's going to cost something, right? Like, honestly, I'm one of those people that I'm a musician. I do music. And Kyle we value diversity. So we, we hire bands that, like, reflect diversity, right? Um, and, like, that's intentional in not an ugly way. It's intentional because we want everyone to feel welcome, you know? And if everybody up front looks one way, like, how is everyone going to feel welcome? Um, and so it's intentional. And I would have told you five years ago, I embrace that value, right? But then like the day it cost me something, like I was like, not okay. Like it hurt, you know? And then I had to decide like, am I still gonna embrace this value or am I gonna fight? And I didn't fight. I didn't fight. I just kept hiring other bands. I just kept doing it because like, I really believe it's important, right? And I just trust that the Lord will give me opportunities. Like, he still gives me opportunities to do other things. But maybe not in this particular place. Maybe I'm not the best fit. But it, it costs something. You know, and I think the second you start telling people things need to change, they're like, yeah. And you're like, but that means you've got to move out of the way. And they're like, no. <laughs> um, which is probably the explanation of a lot that's going on in our country right now. But anyway, <laughs> so it's going to take having hard conversations and being like, man, if you really believe things need to change, you've got to help, right? And, and like, sometimes that is not a popular conversation. I've had it many times over the past few years. It is not a popular conversation. But I think the more you share things, the more people start to think about them, and then change will start to happen. I don't know about you guys, if you've ever had a conversation with somebody, this is like totally applies to sharing the gospel too. Like you'll be sharing with somebody about, somebody about Jesus and they start to get mad. Anybody ever had that happen? Yeah. And they're like, they're mad? Okay, and I used to like be sharing, I'd be like, they're mad. I'm like, oh, I did something wrong. Oh, y'all. That means you did something right because it's like hit on a deep level and they're really thinking about it. You know, that doesn't mean like keep pushing in that moment. You might like stop the conversation, come back to it later. But it's like, if somebody starts to get emotional, that's kind of a good thing. And like in conversations about like, like changing how people treat one another, like there's gonna be emotion. But if somebody gets kind of like, you know, combative, just be like, cool, we can talk later. But realize that like you accomplished something because like it hit on a deep level because you don't react to something you don't care about, right? Like if you don't care, you just keep moving. So if they're reacting, you made them think. Um, so just like Jackie's little like nuggets of conversationalism. Um, <laughs> But, but so it's like, it's gonna cost something, but the cost is too high not to. The church in America is broken. We're, we aren't reflecting Christ. And I believe that like one of the reasons that the church in America is really declining is, is there's just this huge continued sin of racism. It's huge. Um, and like the reason is it's pride. What is pride? It's a sin. Because um, it's putting self where God off. Right? It's, it's just putting like our own comfort and preferences where God really needs to be. He needs to be in control. If God's on the throne, right? We love God. We love those made in His image. Um, 
So I really, truly believe, you guys, that you can go and you can love well and you can love God and love everyone made in his image and that God is going to, like, use you guys and your generation to change that. Um, so we're going to pray, right? And and we're going to do two things. I'm going to have a moment of prayer response because, like, if you're here and you don't know Jesus, you don't know love, so, like, how are you going to love others well, right? So we give opportunity there's anybody that wants to trust Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Um, and like, just take a moment to pray for those that have been hurt. But then we're going to break into groups. And I want us to pray for our campus and our city and our nation that God would really move.